I'll just do my thing. So, what does the church do? What does the church do? That's, that's what I want to um, look at tonight. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who ask the, uh, might ask the question what the point of church is. And looking at today's society and people who might have a nice job, a nice life, you sort of go, you know, you might ask them and you say, you know, what's, what's the point of church? Why, why should I be involved in church, this whole God thing? Um, so it's, it's been on my thought, on my, on my mind, because how are you supposed to uh, talk to people about God if they don't really feel like they have a need? And um, so... I asked myself, what's the mission of the church? And further than that, I, um, I figured I'd better start in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is just after uh, Jesus died and, and was resurrected and he, he went up to heaven. And the, and the book of the Acts, it's, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. So that's Jesus's, started with Jesus's mates, Jesus's 12 or then 11. And they went out and, and they started to work out what this whole Jesus is gone, but what's this whole God thing about, this whole Jesus thing? So in the book of Acts, it gives us an example of the first, um, they call it the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, when, when God had completed his Old Testament um, laws and you must sacrifice goats and lambs and bring a couple of pigeons or a pigeon and a dove, or a, there were all these sort of regulations. And then Jesus came and actually filled in all those gaps he completed that, um, that covenant, that promise, and he brought the new covenant which said, you've got the Holy Spirit, which is part of God, so you have that direct connection to God, and so now we're under a new covenant. Because you're not just covered for your, for your sins, for the things that, that you do against God, you're actually forgiven. So that was the, that was the new thing. So I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2. This evening, so if you've got your Bible or your phone or your tablet or your app or whatever, whatever you call scripture for tonight, um, and I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, and I'm going to go all the way down to uh, verse 47. And this is, this is just after the Holy Spirit came, and this is a, the description of the very first group of people who you'd call the church. Acts 32, Acts 2, 36, therefore. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and, all, and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this, his message were baptized. And we talked about that. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a pretty awesome church service. So this is where we're, we're getting into the meter. That was the context. This is where we get into the meter. This is starting at verse 42. They, the apostles, devoted themselves, sorry, the, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Yeah? Can we, can we get an amen for that? Yeah. So the first thing that it highlights in that, in that verse 42, and, and this is where I want to go with this, is what, what this first church, hence people, did. So the first thing they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were the, they were the pastors, they were, the, they were the, the leaders. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if these believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and these verses in Timothy give us the use of scripture, what does the Bible then say actually say about our faith in God. Here's a few Bible truths, and, and this is not an exhaustive list, and this is not in a list of priority. And the first one is, as we've got up here, go back, Jack. God is sovereign, ultimate, and creator. He is sovereign, he is ultimate, he is creator. So, God is at the top. God is... Is, is the big kahuna, the big cheese. Like, there's nothing that comes and surpasses, comes close to anything what God is. Nothing comes close to his power, his authority. He's the creator. Genesis 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's, that's the first two verses of the Bible. God is sovereign, he is ultimate, he is creator. There was nothing except God. Then, out of nothing, God spoke. He made this world, everything you see, everything you are, with his word. Fact number two in the Bible. We have, at all, we have all, at some point, let God down. And for me, I've probably done it about five or six times today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, we know our failings, and, and this is not, you know, I'm not being negative, I'm not on some, woe is me, you know, whack myself on the back because I'm such a terrible person and get down in the dumps about it. It's just the fact that when you compare yourself to a sovereign, ultimate creator, we are selfish. We are not that. Romans 3, 21 to 23. I'm going to punch through a lot of verses tonight, so if you can't keep up, they'll be on the screen anyway. But now, apart from the law, 
The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And that was that set up between the Old Testament and the Jews and Jesus and, and this whole Old Covenant, New Covenant thing. Romans, um, Paul is saying in Romans, there's, there's none of that difference anymore. We're all living under faith now. And here's what we have all done. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible is clear. And in us, we know, you know, we don't meet the standard that's needed to be in the presence of God. Fact. You know, like that's, that's all there is to it. So to use the example, light and dark, that's a classic one. Uh, in, in the Bible and in Christian circles, we love to use our, our examples and we, we use water examples and we use, you know, we use uh, farming examples because that's when, it was, when the Bible was written and all that sort of stuff. So light and dark. We'll use that example. Illumination, light, it has a source, yeah? So it has a central point and the light is brightest at the source. Dark, on the, ever, on the other hand, what is dark? Can anyone tell me what dark, not what it isn't, what it is? Anyone? Yeah, well, burnt... I was, I was telling you not to say that, Bernd, you're right. You know, darkness is not a thing in itself. Darkness is what we say is the absence of light. Pretty sure you can see where I'm going with this. So, so saying, that we, uh, saying that we see in the Bible time and get in time again, these actual words, God is light. So if God is light and the absence of God is darkness... Can we possibly be near God, but not be full of light? Is it possible for something that has a little bit of darkness in it to be near light? It can't be, can it? What happens in the shadows when the light turns on? The shadow goes. So, how then? Can we come to God if we don't match up to the standard? And that's where we come. The next biblical fact is that Jesus is the make good. He's, he makes up for it. He made up for it. He is our forgiveness, our connection to God. That same verse in Romans just before, the next couple of verses say, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ, Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, that's a fancy word, he had left the sins committed before unpunished. Jesus became the make good. He made up for our darkness. He made up for the fact that we couldn't do it ourselves. We can't come to God. Jesus came down and he lived as a man. You know the term BC, before Christ, AD, Anna Domini, in the year of our Lord? Our calendar, I know, I know there's, there's changes to it these days. They call, what is it, modern time and I can't think of the term. 
yeah, common era and before common era, that's what it is. But up until very recently, our own calendar was actually based around Jesus. Think about that. Jesus was real. Historians say Jesus was real. The only thing that anyone debates, really, as a vast generalization, is whether he was God or not. Our modern calendar says he was real. Just saying. So Jesus became the sacrifice for us. In our words, Jesus took the blame so God can forgive me. So we, when we believe, are no longer full of darkness because Jesus took our blame. But the act of accepting God's way for us and pointing our life to be focused on Him is the way that we allow God to put our blame on our blame on Jesus. It's one process. If we want to be right with God, we've actually got to accept the fact that Jesus is going to take the blame. One more teaching about the Bible. And that is simply, it is finished. And they're red letters. If you don't want to know what red letters are, red letters in, in, in many of the Bibles are, they'll actually write the, the words of Jesus himself They'll actually highlight them by, by putting them in red. All the other words are in black, like any old book. But the words of Jesus are in red. So these are red letters. It is finished. Our faith and a God-centered life may be a work in progress for us. So we are on a journey of faith. But for God, for Jesus, his works, it is finished. John 19, 28 to 30, 30 says later... Knowing that everything had now been finished. This is Jesus on the cross, by the way. And so that scripture will be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. So they basically, you know, use a sponge as a cup and here you go, throw it up on a stick. When he received the drink, Jesus said... It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He died. That was the point. His last words to us before he died was, It is finished. Jesus' offer of forgiveness is finished. It's complete. It's not over. It's finished and complete. It's ready for you. This, this teaching is paramount, it's so critical, of such importance that it is repeated time and time again. We talk about it weekly. We talk about Jesus, well, now, <laughs> every week. We do communion weekly for that very reason, because it is finished, and that is a, a, a concept and, a, and, a, and a, rem, a memory and a thing that must be continued to be remembered. It's that critical. The believers devoted themselves to learning and understanding what the Bible says about God. They learned those teachings. They really took hold of it. What it says 
what the, what the Bible says about our relationship with God, how to honour and respect God. They made it personal. It wasn't their culture, although it was, the believers who took their faith further than I am a Jew by birth. They took the Jesus thing on as personal faith, as this is, this is not just something that happens, this is, this is me, this is me. So what else were they devoted to? The believers were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Fellowship, another awesome Christianese word that we rarely, rarely hear. So, um, just, to, just to go through this whole thing, because, you know, we're using the term fellowship. Um, and I'm going to go really super spiritual, and only the really spiritual people will know the answer to this question. What was the fellowship of the ring? <laughs> the, 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 the people that helped Frodo. You know, that, that was a fellowship. It was a bunch of people with a common cause. They were off, they were on their little mission to Mordor. <laughs> Why are hobbits Irish from New Zealand? But anyways, that's, that's I digress. <laughs> so what's the definition of, of fellowship? So fellowship, by definition, is a friendly association especially with people who share one's interests or the same interests. So fellowship, in our sense, in a, in a church sense, is we're all here because we, we think God's all right. You know? We're, we're all here because we want to learn more about God. We're all here because we want to make this God thing a me thing. Not in that way. <laughs> As in personal to me. We often try to make it a me thing in the other way, but that's a different story and a different message entirely. It's an old-style word for getting together, hanging out, meeting up. Fellowship is about building friendships and doing life together, yeah? Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. We know what spurring people on is? Cheering them on. I, 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 I'm going to digress here. I saw a video the other day. It was, it was the end of a marathon or the end of some run. And I don't know whether it's, it's, it's current or past. And, and this situation, is, it's been seen plenty of times. But there were two runners. It was 50 metres to the line. And there were two runners side by side. And one was continually collapsing continually, like two steps and boom, and the other one would stop and try and get them up and they would like half kind of stand up and then two more steps and they'd drop. And the person, like they're both in the same race. See ya, I'm off to get the prize. This person was spurring them on and the crowd was getting behind it. No one, no one mocks that situation, do they? Everyone cheers going, that is yes, that is right. That's what we should be doing. Interesting, isn't it? As much as we want the prize for ourselves, as soon as we see true servanthood, true care, true fellowship, we say, yes, that's it. 
It's good. It's good. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Man, last year was tough. Last year was tough, yeah? This year is tough for some. Like, we've got it good here. We've, I've read this verse plenty of times before and gone, oh, those lazy people who give up going to church. How dare they? They're just slack. That's really one-sided, isn't it? It's tough sometimes. Yes, it's a command. Yes, it's a don't do it. Don't, don't stop meeting together. But it's, it's also a warning and it's, it's a, I'm trying to help you. Don't give up. Don't give up meeting together. Get together. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What happens when you, meet, when you hang out with each other a lot? You get to know them, learn about them in their life. You develop connections with people. It's called friendship. It's called a relationship. That's the word for it. Fellowship creates relationship. Why does the Bible say we should have friendships? Why should we spend time in relationship? And for that, I'm going to look at King Solomon and, and his wisdom. In Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens another. And hear me where I'm going with this. My work, I'm a, I'm a sparky, I'm an electrician. I go out oftentimes working by myself, just going out doing simple stuff, Stuff that they don't deem me to have someone holding my hand or looking after me or catching me when I fall. There's a song in that. Um, sometimes I say out loud test results. So like I'll be doing stuff, yep, 240, 0.26, you know, and I'll be going through and doing, doing my thing. And, and, and what that's from is from when I used to be in two-person crews when I was learning and I developed that habit of, of speaking out loud. That's, that's my thing and, you know, I'm, I'm sticking to it. It's a normal thing to do. So the problem is, of course, I have to explain myself. So the customers standing next to me, sometimes they like to see what I'm doing. So um, I have to explain myself why I'm just randomly <laughs> talking out loud. All right, next I'm going to do this, as if I'm talking to them and they're going, huh? Is he telling me this? Anyways. I cover it by just telling people it's the most intelligent conversation I have. <laughs> If I had another person working with me, I can use them to confirm what I'm doing. I can use them to, that's why I'm saying it out loud, because I would say these are the results I'm getting, knowing the results I want to get or approximate, and if things are way out, I want to know about it. And when I don't have someone to check on me, I've got my ears at least to check on me. There's that, that feedback loop, you know? It's safer to have a second head or a second set of eyes or ears on things. I work in Harvey Bay and they reckon I've got a second head because I live in Maribor, but you know. <laughs> oh, friendships, friends keep each other in check. When we don't have a lot of connection to other people, it's so easy to become our own echo chamber. You know, we say it out loud and we hear the same thing back. Must be right. You know, you, you, you go into a, into a cave. Hello, hello. Stop copying me! Stop copying me! Anyone seen The Grinch? Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
How many crazy things did you hear last year? We heard some interesting things, some plausible, some less so. The internet is a very interesting place. I'm sure we're all aware of that. The mainstream lines that our culture hands out can be equally as interesting. You know, like, like we're not, we're not if, you, if you lean all the way one way, all the way the other way, there will be some things that you don't get the full picture of. You've got to bring things together. If I search the, is the earth flat? Punch it in. I'm not going to come up with, you're a raving lunatic, as my search result. Because there are some people who, who have found plausible or, or seemingly plausible things to say that that's the way it is. If I read those facts and then I click on those links that give the references to the references of the things of the reasons why the earth is flat, the algorithm, the algorithm, the almighty algorithm, we've all, we've all learnt that word in the last few years, haven't we? It takes over. Suddenly, do you know how many truths there are? <laughs> do you know how many truths you suddenly find when you just run down that one path and don't even look left or right? Don't even look at what, whether you're going down a rabbit hole or not. As I said, it happens on both sides of the coin and I'm not in here to get political. But my point is, we need people. When you don't have other people to bounce things off, any, no matter how crazy it sounds, it can become plausible. The, same, the exact same thing is spiritual. We can go down one path and if we don't have checks and balances and loving people just like actually talking to us or we say this and what do you think of this? Uh, well, there's an element of that, but what about this? Loving people as iron sharpens iron, we take the rough bits off each other. I'd like to think that I've spoken and helped people in the past, but I know there have been plenty of times people have taken some roughness off me too. And there's a lot more that needs to happen. Since early last year, community, local, national, global, all parts of community, all facets of community have been deprived, at least in some part, but mostly in a lot of it, of fellowship. And you can clearly see the angst in, like, you look at things, things that shouldn't have really probably been as big a things became big things. You know, we, I don't consider myself to be an angsty person or to be any, any particularly depressive or anything like that, but there were times when I'm, I, I start, found myself going down the spiral as well. What if this never ends? What if it is as bad as they say? Oh, no, what about this? What about this? What about the, the, the murder hornets? What if they come to Australia? <laughs> you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. If we, if we go that way, we can always find things to be worried about. And that's where we need fellowship. We need friends. Back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. So the world's like, you know, a little bit. You know, we barely started. He's made Adam. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He's too irresponsible and reckless. He's going to jump off a cliff and he will hurt himself. And he needs a woman to say, stop being an idiot. 
Sorry, different version. <laughs> different version of the Bible. Close. That's like the, 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 the male amplified version. <laughs> Maybe it's the female version. I'm not sure. I'm going to stop before I get myself in trouble. God said, I will make a helper suitable for him because it's not good for people to be alone. We're social creatures. We are created that way. Acts 2.46 Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. They loved being together. They really did. And I'd like to think it was every day they, so on any day someone was, as opposed to every day they all. Like, I love having people over at my house, but if every day everyone was at my house, I reckon I'd probably go a little batty. It'd be good for the first couple of days. Party house. Good fun. But they liked hanging out. They liked being together. Daily they broke bread. They ate together. They had barbecues. They went to Macca's. Because everyone eats. That's why. That, see, this is, this is James speaking. I, I believe when the communion is based around a meal because everyone eats. As often as you meet together, do this in memory, in memory of me. Because everyone has a meal. Everyone eats, everyone drinks, or they die. So God's saying, as often as you get your sustenance, remember me. What happens over a meal? If the meal's really good, there's not a lot of talking. <laughs> Hint, if you want to know whether you burned that steak or not. <laughs> if there's a lot of talking, yeah, not much chop. <laughs> it's happened before. I've been there. <laughs> Every single day, uh, people were meeting together, hanging out, having food together, developing friendships. And that, to me, sounds like community. I want to be involved in that community. So the last point that I want to pull out of this, this church, this first church, this, this, these people, what did they do? Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer. So they learnt about God. They got to know each other and related and they talked about those learnings and they went... What does this mean and what does that mean? Because the Bible's got some confusing stuff. Sometimes I don't understand. Sorry. Sometimes I do understand is probably a better <laughs> interpretation of the Bible, of, of my understanding of the Bible. There's so much in there because it's divinely written. It's divinely... God inspired all of those writers of those 66 books. It's not a novel from front to back. It's a collection of works of a bunch of different writers over a couple thousand years yes I don't understand it and it's okay if you don't either prayer is talking to God we have talked about fellowship with others what about fellowship with God those, those same things we talked about before we can do with God talking spending time having barbecues how does God like his steak cooked? I don't know. I'm assuming medium rare because that is the only way to cook a steak. <laughs> Prayer is direct communication with God and you don't have to come to church to pray. You don't need a pastor or a priest to pray. 
Sometimes people think that the higher your spiritual rank is, the more clout you've got with God. Not so. You know, even, even a part-time youth pastor is sort of a bit, a bit of, uh, you know, above, above my prayer, you know. Like, I read the Bible a lot, but, you know, someone who's actually got that, that title, you know. That person's been to Bible college. They know how to pray. I'll get them to pray for me. That person's been a pastor for 40 years. Look, I've tried all the others and God hasn't answered, so surely. Rank doesn't equal clout in God's world. And it's not even about the words you use. You know, you know, you hear some people, like you get in a group prayer and some people are like professional prayers. They're like, they, they know, you know, dear God. No, I can't even do it. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know the ones that, oh Lord, we look to you for your guidance and your wisdom. And they, they know all the words. Professional prayers. I'm not saying they're not more spiritual. But I am saying they don't have any more clout with God than you do. In Matthew, Jesus told his disciples how they should pray. Matthew 6, 7 to 13. When you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So let's look at that in depth. If, if you're ever stuck, by the way, if you're ever stuck, Matthew 6 7 to 13. You can just look over that and I'll show you why. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's praise. God, you are good. You are holy. You are ultimate. You are sovereign. You are creator. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want you to come down here. I want... I want to do your will. Show me what you want. Give us today the food we need. I need your sustenance, God. This, this one can be physical. It can be spiritual. I need sustenance. You may have needs. This is the one. God, I need. Help me. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive me, God, and help me to forgive others. I want to be open with you. Just a note, don't ask to be forgiven if you won't forgive. That's a, that's a, that's a principle too. We've got to be willing to forgive others. We can't hold bitterness, hold things against other people and then expect God to forgive us. Trust me, I know. I've seen what happens when people don't forgive. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, help me to live right. 
keep me away from things that's going to hurt me, that's going to hurt my relationship, that's going to distract me, God. This form for a prayer will guide you. Sometimes you're going to cycle and cycle and cycle over, Lord, you're good, Lord, you're good, Lord, you're good, because that's all I'm willing to focus on right now, because if I take my eyes off that, Lord, I need, I really need, I really need God. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Sometimes it cycles. Sometimes you need to spend time just asking and sitting. Lean into God. Learn where you're at with God. Learn to trust Him. Learn to hear His guidance. It says, it, it says um, I'm not sure where exactly, it says that my sheep know my voice. It, it, here's another one of those, those analogies that gives God being the shepherd. And he says, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. You know, it's, it's... Ever had other people try and break into your phone with the Hey Siri or the, the Hello Google thing? It knows your voice. Sometimes it, you know. God's better than Siri. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Prayer is a form of worship. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to worship God in this way. It's not just speaking in your room. It's not just, you, you don't just pray when you're kneeling. You don't just, just pray by saying the words or thinking the, the dear God, amen. That is prayer, but that's not the only way to pray. pray prayer is, is a connection. It's a communication. Music is often prayer. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the music we listen to. I'm just going to jump over a bit, Jack. Um, jumping forward to, we're going to go back to the end, that, that focusing on that Acts 2 verses again. What happened when these people devoted themselves? What happened when they devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the prayer? Daily, num- uh, numbers were added. They say people wanted to be part of that community. They had favour. Top of page six, Jack. This community of believers focused on God. Amazing things happen. Miracles and provisions. They saw those things happen. They met the needs of the community around them and those outside. Like, like those outside the community saw it. Like they, they saw that something was actually happening, that this was real. It says they enjoyed the favour of all people. So their local community saw the good in what they were doing. Is that a community you want to be part of? We're working here as Grace, here locally, here online with the people we're starting to connect with, that we want to be like that Acts 2 church. We're a church, we as a church are praying to God on how to make this happen specifically. This church has professional chaplains. They, they spend their week, their employment 
is helping the kids in our schools in Maribyrnong. We as a church help financially support these chaplains. We support Ordinary Hero. That's people in Uganda, across the world, helping more kids. We financially support that as a church. We've, we've been honoured to meet Craig and Janine and really find that ministry that, that we can really connect to. We're not just giving to some random organisation randomly who gives money to someone and helps someone. Like, that's great. But when there's a personal connection, it means more. We support Iron and Clay. They, didn't, they weren't able to come through last year, but they're, they're that travelling um, traveling band, travelling group. They cruise up and down the coast of Australia, of east coast of Australia going through schools, helping kids again. We've got an op shop just behind me here that aims to help locals with an opportunity to spend less money, for starters. And it helps fund those ministries that we pay into. And I'm not saying this to, to, to brag, look at us, look at all the stuff we're doing. I'm saying that in a hope that you get excited because when I start seeing, when I see money coming in from the op shop, I'm the treasurer, I see what sort of comes in. When I see the money that comes in, I go, fantastic. That's more things we can do. That's more than we can send out again. Who has God put in your sights? What has God put on your heart? What else could this community of believers do in 2021? What can you do in 2021? God doesn't want your actions. He doesn't want your efforts solely. He wants your heart. He wants you to love him. He wants you to love others. And out of that comes the rest. He created us as a people of community. And whether you are in the same building here or whether you're connecting via the internet, you're part of this community. We as a church, we're, we're trying to work on this. We're, trying to, we're, we're hanging out more. We're trying to do little things more. We want to meet up. We want to develop these relationships more. Our church is an A2A church. It's called Acts 2 Alliance. It is a group of churches, a movement of churches that aims, their, their mandate is to raise enduring leaders to build prevailing churches. They're not interested in what our church building looks like, what our logo looks like, what our church culture is to make it into that. We're not a cookie-cutter type movement of churches. They aim to make Pastor Graham and Amanda the best they can be because then they will be the, build the best local church that they can. Graham and Amanda, I know, have that same ethos. They want to build the best leaders they can have so we can build the best micro-communities within this church, stretching outside the walls of this church. A2A wants leaders to be healthy, and then they lead healthy. I'm going to finish up and the band can come up. I've got a challenge, and I say a challenge because it's a challenge for me as well. I'm going to read some statements, and these statements are something that, that I think we can aspire to. As a church, as, as, as individual faith. I wonder if you could sit again and get on board with this. 
Here we go. We will devote ourselves to the teachings of the Bible. We will devote our lives to supporting other people in our circle. We will get together regularly with other Christians to challenge and encourage each other. We will pray together and support each other when we have needs. We will be a community that people can speak positively about. That's a good start. People outside the church will see that we are trying to love our city and the people in it. And finally, we will make an effort every day to meet God, meet people, and meet the needs of others. Is that something we can, we can aim for? That's something I'd like to aim for, personally. And imagine if our, our entire church could be known for that. What if that could catch on? What if maybe people saw Christians as a whole as that? Because we've done something wrong in our world that people think we're bigoted and people think we're, we're unloving and just judgmental. There's something about what we've done as Christians all over the world. Now, I know that's a spiritual attack and I know that's, that's the devil's work in many ways. But what can we do to just love? Just love God and let him show you how to love others. That's my challenge to me. Hopefully it's a challenge to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your community, for your church. Thank you for your leaders. Thank you for your believers. Thank you, God, that you love us, showing us how to love others.